You are about to enter into a new world of knowledge, curiosities, and high strangeness. This is a podcast of Straight Up Strange Productions. This episode is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. Become a patron today at patreon.com forward slash into the portal. Long before the introduction of television, or even before the days of radio inside homes across North America, the information we received, of course, came in the form of print. The extra extra read all about it, newspapers and periodicals of yore, full of advertisements for barbershop elixirs, local headlines and obituaries, but also something more. Stories and accounts of strange things and events, the likes of which couldn't possibly be true. Or could they? Indeed, the days of yellow journalism ran rampant across America. Most of it playful, unbelievable strangeness that left readers vexed and itching for the truth of matters which were sure to be left unresolved. Monsters, specters, and oddities of countless shapes and mysterious origins, lurking amongst the thousands of newspaper pages and archives of forgotten history. But are they all just tales spinning yarns from times long since past? Or perhaps, could some true oddities have been left amongst the weeds of forgotten newspaper lore? Welcome back into the portal. We are joined by the Pine Barren Institute's Adam Benedict for a series of bizarre tales. A boneless man, raining flesh from the sky, life with no head, and so much more, as we sit down to discuss his new book, Oddities in Print. Andrew McKay. And welcome back into the portal. Your gateway to the bazaar. We are back on the mic again, hey? Yeah. <laughs> it's been yeah. A, a little bit. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for your patience. Yes. It's, I, mm-hmm. I know this has taken a little while, and it's kind of a habit for us to come back and apologize and thank you for our patience, mm. for, for your patience. But uh, we took a much needed trip out to Vancouver Island mm-hmm. to visit some family. Um, that was a long time in, in the making. We didn't get to see anyone at Christmas time. So uh, yeah, it had so. to happen, and it was awesome. We went out to the magical, mystical Vancouver Island. Yeah, it was much needed. We saw a lot of really cool things. Obviously, the ocean's probably the highlight of the trip. And we actually yeah. visited Craig Darrock Castle, if you guys remember us covering that uh, yeah. in our 2020 Halloween episode. Oh, yeah, if you remember that. Yeah. Going back. Throwback. Yeah. Pretty cool story. But anyways. Yeah, yeah. That place was sweet. It's like a Victorian mansion, but it is it, very much a castle. It is uh, yeah, actually epic. being in front of it. It was like, wow, mm-hmm. pretty, pretty epic. We should sure. post a picture to our uh, 
Or Instagram. Yeah, we should. I actually, I mm-hmm. tweeted one the other day. So if you guys follow us on Twitter, yeah. uh, or if you have Twitter and you don't already hit us up at Into the Portal. But yeah, no, it's such a beautiful building. But that was a great trip. <clears throat> it got us inspired for all kinds of, you know, uh, maritime historical mysteries and paranormal things for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were talking some merfolk, uh, as well Ooh. as Sasquatch too, because of course Vancouver Island is... Uh, known for Sasquatch encounters. Mm -hmm, Very much so. So we were talking a lot of paranormal stuff, but we're happy to be home and happy to be uh, back on the mics for you guys today. And it is a super special episode to be coming back, back at it with too, Mm -hmm. chatting with uh, none other than our our good friend Adam Benedict. But before we do, we wanted to uh, give some shout outs because man, oh man. We got some new patrons. We got some new patrons. (laughs) So stoked. Thank you guys so, so much. Uh, So yeah, there's a handful of new people and it's just awesome. So we wanted to give a shout out uh, to uh, Danette. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for joining us. I actually can't remember which tier it was. That's okay. I don't have to say. It's fine. Uh, We also have Rach, who we may or may not have given a shout out for already, but that's okay. You're getting another one. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nick Willard has also joined us on Patreon. Hey, buddy. Thank you so much, Nick. Jackson Kane. And last but not least, we have Laurel who's joined us on Patreon. So mm-hmm. thank you all so, so much. Your support goes just like such a long way and also like massively motivating, obviously, oh, yeah. to have people support the show. And we always <laughs> want to get your feedback and ideas for new episodes. So yeah, stoked to, to chat with all these new patrons mm-hmm. and uh, keep cranking out some cool stuff for you guys. And on that note, we actually do finally have a new Patreon episode that <laughs> I think will probably be up by the time this is being released. I think so. So we are discussing some pretty uh, terrifying creatures of the, the far north, definitely inspired by our most recent episode on Anjakuni Lake. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about uh, the Idrak <laughs> and some other creatures, uh, entities, if you will. So yeah, uh, stay tuned for that, patrons, or go check it out if it's already up by the time this is released. I, I have no control over time. <laughs> we'll see how this all <laughs> works. Out. So, but today... We're not talking about that. We are discussing a lot of other odd things, uh, tales that are definitely as bizarre, that are absolutely, uh, utterly bizarre, I would say, (laughs) and that are truly like the bread and butter of Into the Portal podcast. Mm -hmm. Like this has totally re-inspired and reinvigorated me just poking through this unbelievable compilation that is uh, the third installment in the In Print series. So we've gone, uh, there's monsters in print, ghosts in print, and now we are uh, taking a look at oddities in print. I think it's my favorite. I I don't know if I, I think I say that a couple times in this episode. Oh yeah, you make it very clear. Yeah, yeah, it's an amazing collection and just super inspiring just just the raw uh nature of this book like you know being unedited and everything and we've already got probably what like five different episodes planned like based on a lot of these stories like because there's a lot of themes right and uh we we do discuss that with adam uh, which is really interesting to get his perspective on all of it yeah it's left us vexed perplexed just scratching our heads (laughs) and also just so excited too yeah because it's just endless rabbit holes to dive down that are some of them make you laugh out loud others are kind of send a a shiver up your spine Mm -hmm. so many questions that come up with these tales uh you know that and one of the big ones for me is whether or not there are any possible true stories kind of hiding amongst the woodwork here Mm -hmm. but either way this is one of the strangest and most fun compilations that we have ever looked through Mm -hmm. so without further ado let's get into our discussion with adam benedict from the pine barons institute All right. Well, we're here with our good friend, Adam Benedict. Adam, thank you so much for being back here into the portal. Thanks for having me. 
man, I know that you're chomping at the bit to get into some of these stories, but we were just discussing rods off air. So I think that's probably the right place for us to start here today. You've been tweeting some interesting things and you've gotten some blowback. I'm just <laughs> fascinated about <laughs> this this recent this recent reemergence of the rods. So d- can you just talk about that for like a couple minutes? We're going to bring it back to the the late 90s here for a minute and people people have slept on rods for too long. <laughs> And they're not realizing what a menace to this planet rods are. For those who don't understand, rods are a invisible alien creature from another planet who has been brought here to colonize our planet. And the only way you can see them is on a horrible video camera or security camera. Of course. I, I have taken it upon myself to get rods back into the public consciousness so we can get a handle on this. You are fighting the good fight good sir it ends Um, after 24 hours and then this goes back to being a bunch of garbage you can fight the good fight for 24 hours that's all that that counts that's great no that's you know what we're gonna have to do a rod specific episode and have you uh have you back on to talk about that i was just thinking about it the other like the other night it's just like whatever happened to rods like no one talks about rods anymore (laughs) they were there and then they were just gone yeah and i think you said like you're right it, it's just the cameras got great and no more rods. No rods went away. Mm. Funny how that happens when you when you get something that can catch evidence that no longer catches good evidence, it solves the problem. It just goes away. <laughs> it's very curious indeed. Oh, man. Well, I feel like that's going to come up a bunch with the stories that we end up talking about in this episode and in episodes to come. Because I actually think, you know, it's a good time for us to mention... A little project that we have here. So uh, Amber, myself, and Adam, uh, we're going to be teaming up once a month here on the Into the Portal feed and launching a new project that's going to be talking about a lot of these even more obscure stories than we already talk about on Into the Portal. Uh, Working title, but we're going to be launching it really soon, soon, along with some graphics to go with it and stuff like that. So Mm -hmm. stay tuned. Should I even just should I just say it, Adam? Why am I being so coy here? <laughs> I don't know. I think it, the mystery adds to it. Okay, let's keep it at that then. Stay People tuned. Need to, they need to be mystified <laughs> and then disappointed when they actually find out. Right, we're good at that. <laughs> just, just like Over my promise, under deliver. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. it's going to deliver. It's going to deliver. No, it'll it'll be it'll be fun. It'll oh, be yeah. great. Okay, so. Let's tease people with just that, because essentially this episode here, talking about some of these utterly bizarre cases from your latest addition to the Oddities series is going to be... The imprint series. The imprint series, sorry, I should say, rather, the imprint series. Um, Yeah, it's going to be a nice little taste of what's to come for our our Mm. collaboration. But before we get right into some of those specific stories, I know that uh, Amber had a couple of questions here for you, or we have some questions for you. Uh, Yep. Yeah, just about oh, yeah. like generally how things got going for the series and just whatever. But I'll I'll pass it over to Amber here. Well, I guess yeah. Um, well, we've had you on the show before, and I know maybe not all of our listeners listening to this today have listened to our Beast of Bray episode, and that was part of the Dogman series. And so we just kind of like maybe you could give people a little brief on. Your, you know, like 
the Pine Barrens Institute, what you do, how you kind of got on this really awesome project and all these publications that you've put forward, the latest being Oddities in Print, which is phenomenal. We've been really enjoying the book. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, we, you know, like, could, could you just speak to what you do, you know? Yeah. Uh, so originally all of this started uh, as most of the people in this um, who enjoy this stuff back like when you're a kid, um, you know, with Unsolved Mysteries and In Search Of and, and stuff like that, that really opened the door to uh, the weird, uh, just the general strangeness. From there, that kind of led to like book fairs and stuff or trying to get my hands on any of the weird books I could come across. Um, but eventually that started, once you get one weird book, um, the next one you get generally has the same stories in it. And mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. that kind of started, you know, this path of seeking out my own stories that you couldn't find in the books because, you know, it, it, it was kind of hard to believe that there's only like 20 good stories out there, you know, of like ghosts and monsters and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So it's like, no, I want to, I want to find more of my own. So I started doing that and I eventually, you know, kind of amassed a collection and figured I'm going to start posting them online because, you know, when I was younger, I wanted, I wished it was easy enough to find this stuff, but it wasn't. So I figured if I can make it easy for someone else, I'll do that. Um, that kind of led to the creation of uh, the website, um, named it the, the Pine Barrens Institute. Um, the name was taken from, of course, the, the Pine Barrens of New Jersey and the Jersey Devil, um, because it's, it's that intersection creature, of uh, both folklore and cryptozoology, <clears throat> mm -hmm. cryptozoology, sorry. Mm -hmm. And, uh, from there, it's like really started focusing on bizarre folk tales that you wouldn't normally come across the stuff that was like really lost or really deep and you had to search for, um, kind of focused in mostly on the Midwest and, from there just kind of launched this project of, you know, just these, these collections of, you know, old newspaper accounts of this stuff. Cause that's what it was always being used for, um, for research. And, you know, people in their research would always talk about, you know, in this old newspaper from back in this day, they talked about this and in this strange, you know, obscure article from 1884, they talked about this, but they never really shared the articles they just yeah. referenced mm. them. So you kind of had to take their word at it, which mm -hmm. was always frustrating. So Definitely. Uh, share I, your pain there. <laughs> it, yeah. It's just like, I know there's more to the story. It's like, don't stop there. Tell us everything, but they never did. So I, I like, I, you know, it's like, well, I want to, I want to read the stories because I find those to be the most fascinating and decided to just kind of, make a book out of it uh, the first one monsters in print was entirely um old monster reports from the 1820s to like the 1940s um from there the second volume came out uh ghosts in print which was same style all about ghosts though um there's no spin there's no agenda with it it's just a collection of transcribed newspaper articles about that specific subject matter. Hmm. Um, those two led into this third one, which I think is, you know, my real passion, just strangeness all around oddities. <laughs> and print. 
right. which just opens the door to anything and everything. Uh, the first two I could say is kind of like testing the water, but this one, it, it's like that allowed it to be like, okay, now we're going to go off the rails a bit. And everything's <laughs> just going to get real weird. And if you've had a chance to read through it, um, those stories are bizarre. <laughs> Utterly bizarre. Completely bizarre. It's it's remarkable, really. <laughs> it's, it's probably my favorite edition you've done thus far, uh, just because of that. And Mine yeah, too. It's just, oh man, how, you can't make this stuff up. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. one of the, one of the, like the influences of it are like the old episodes, like I said, uh, in search of and unsolved mysteries and, you know, sightings from the nineties, it was never just like one story. Like the episodes always featured a bunch of different things within it. And mm-hmm. that's like, yeah. was kind of like the, you know, the, the frame of reference for this. It's like, it's going to be a little bit of everything, not too much of one subject, not too little of another. It's just, you know, across the board that it's, it's just all weird. And it's always been weird. Mm-hmm. Totally. Probably some of my favorites range in the early camp, like, like, you know, the 1820s up to the 1880s, you know, because they're just, the style of writing is, you know, uh, significantly different from how journalism currently operates. And for that sure. makes it so much better to me. Oh, for sure. And yeah. it makes it so much harder to, decipher what's true True. and what's not just because it's like all these like antiquated phrasing and just like yeah like exactly ever like how it's how it sounds like how how it's phrased conveyed how they're interpreting what's going on Mm -hmm. like you know there's a lot of yeah yeah especially it's like when you realize that you know over the course of 200 years they might use the same word but that word is taken on a completely different meaning so it's like if you come across it with the mindset of someone from today, you know, it's, you do get that frustrating moment where it's like, what are they talking about? But then it like causes you to (laughs) like go out and like, look it up to like Mm -hmm. learn what they're talking about. And it's like, so you just, you not only learned a a piece of history that you didn't know before, but you also learned another part of history in terms of, you know, human language and, you know, the evolution of the written word and stuff like that. It's just, I, I love to learn. I love history and, you know, if this can get people to <laughs> to learn things, it's like score. That's exactly what all these volumes are. Really, it's it's history compiled. Like you know, that's amazing. And to it's me. just the loaded package of juicy nuggets for a show like Into the Portal oh, yeah. and the coming project that we have together as well. Because like you just said a couple of minutes ago, you would look at you know a series of you know you know, 10 different works like books or whatever people blogging online and everyone's just kind of like talking about the same stories. A lot of it's the same information mm-hmm. and it's an echo chamber. Really. It's an echo chamber and none of it ever really would trace back to the original nugget. Whereas what we have with this book and with this series is nothing but original nuggets. <laughs> yeah. So. It's interesting too, because when you, when you come across those situations where people reference like the old newspaper articles and they'll talk about, you know, they'll give the headline and they'll give the date, but they might not give the the paper for it, or they might not give the location, mm-hmm. you know, they'll leave some information out, mm-hmm. but then they just, they talk about it in their words. And then, like you said, another site or book just takes exactly what that person said and 
and shares it again. But then you look at the the actual article and you see that they've just paraphrased it or they picked parts of it that they wanted to use. And you're not getting the entire story at all. And sometimes it completely changes what that person who posted on online Mm -hmm. even said about it. So it's kind of like you're only getting half of it. And until you can read the actual thing, um, you're it's not satisfying. Mm -hmm. That's probably a better segue than any to give people a juicy story. (laughs) So I, I know you've got several picked out and like, so for everyone listening, we've already obviously teed this up, but we've got sort of a, a mix here. I've picked sort of on a theme, Amber a little bit too, but generally speaking, like we're going to take you a little bit all over the place here. So Adam, did you want to start with one of the weird ones that you've picked up? Yeah. Um, this first one, um, I just kind of went all over the board, uh, in terms of what I was looking for, just to like truly capture some of the stuff that you can find in here. And the first one I settled on was um, it's titled swallowed a man. And awesome. it comes from the Waterbury evening Democrat uh, from July 18th, 1889 in Connecticut. Uh, the headline was, well, the secondary headline, I should say discovery of a huge serpent with a human skeleton inside. The, the story goes on to say, a strange discovery, one that is causing the thoughtful to ponder over the unwritten past, was made recently by a French citizen near Gainesville, Texas, says a special dispatch. Having occasion to sink a well, Mr. Soms, the Frenchman in question, selected a spot in a valley near a ravine of great length, and which, during heavy rains, is transformed into a raging torrent, depositing in the valley limestone, gravel, mud, and other debris. After reaching a depth of four feet and while in a formation of limestone gravel that had continued almost uninterruptedly from the surface down, Mr. Soms came upon the vertebrae and ribs of an animal. The ribs were about the size of a small pig's and rapidly tapered. Carefully unearthing the bones towards the tapering end, Mr. Soms came to the rattles, which, when counted, numbered 17, the largest measuring six inches across. Attracted by the strange find, the neighbors gathered in and the work of unearthing the monster was prosecuted with vigor. After laying bare 19 feet of the remains of the monster of other time, imagine their consternation at finding the entire skeleton of a man of tremendous stature in the stomach of the skeleton of the snake. The remains of the man and the serpent, as far as the serpent has been exhumed, are as perfect as when denuded of flesh and were doubtless covered by lime and gravel soon after death. Near the bones of the man's right hand is a rude stone hatchet, which a local geologist of some repute reports to be similar to the handiwork of Paleolithic man. So right there, you got a story of the skeleton of a giant snake and also the body of a giant man inside it. (laughs) Yeah, two in one. And after that, it's like you don't hear about it again. With with a hammer? Uh, With a hatchet. A hatchet, sorry. Of a Paleolithic... Yeah, so there's a Paleolithic man. They're just talking, you know, just like a caveman. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But like, it it fits into that time period where people were talking about uncovering giants when they were sinking wells, when they were, you know, digging uh, new farmland, stuff like that, Mm. coming across these giant skeletons. And they just so happened to find a giant inside a giant monster snake. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. That's incredible. 
Could you imagine finding this? Being one <laughs> right? of the, the people to actually discover this. It'd be amazing. I would love it. <laughs> I would love it I too. I would love it. <laughs> but you wouldn't get to enjoy it because the, the Smithsonian would sno- swoop in right away and take it. Oh, yeah. Just like they always do. Of course. Of course. Of course. That's and, incredible. And so that's the perfect little teaser too of essentially like, I mean... Yeah, that was a two in one. I mean, that, I haven't seen a ton of those uh, going through the book because you get so like focused on like the one weird aspect of a story, and that's definitely a couple. <laughs> and and this, the the setup of this is something you're going to find throughout many of these stories where they're going to give you you know a pretty decent amount of information, um, usually where it was found or you know someone came across it or the encounter happened, anything like that. But then they're just going to end it. They're mm-hmm. not going to tell you what happens to it. They're not going to tell you where it went. They're not going to tell you, you know, if it's on display somewhere or the story is just going to end and you're going to be left with this mystery of did this really happen or was this just created to fill space and sell papers? Right. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, and that's the thing we've dealt with so many times on this show, the aspect of yellow journalism and mm-hmm. how hard it must've been if you had something genuinely interesting to like get people to believe it, unless I mean, I mean, well, I guess back then everyone was just gobbling it up no matter what, <laughs> 1820s, 1830s or whatever. So it yeah, because this was the main source of information. It's If you're not reading the paper, you're not getting the information. So typically you would take them at their word, but, you know, you also had to do it with a little, a little grain of salt because, you know, one day the paper might be 100% truth and the next day they're just, you know, pulling a joke just for the hell of it. Just for the mm-hmm. heck of it. So we've got okay. story one. This that next story is highly incredible. I'm going all the way to the end of the book. Yeah. Oh yeah, you found this one late in the research. Uh, well, yeah, because it's one of the last stories. So this is unlike any I've ever heard, and probably everyone listening. Um, the actual title of the article is. All, sorry, heads all mixed up on these twin calves. And it's from the Independent, dated April 5th, 1929, from North Carolina. And I'm just going to read this as follows. <clears throat> the following tale of a headless calf born on the farm of a Chowan County farmer is taken from the Adenton Daily News, the Independent disclaiming all responsibility for it. <laughs> So that's pretty telling, I think, right there. Okay. Says it going on. Believe it or not, but farmers up in the county flock today to the farm of Emmett Elliott on Virginia Road to see as strange a zoological wonder as was ever heard of. Twin calves, one with two heads, the other with none, and both alive and doing well. One's female. The other male. The headless one's the bull. The two-headed calf, sensing that it must take care of its headless brother, guides the twin around by nudging it. And nature, as if aware of the monstrous error it was creating, left a mouth-like opening at the top of what would have been the headless calf's neck. And through this, one of the heads of the two-headed calf is feeding the headless animal. The mother cow stands pityingly, pityingly and helpless by as this first suckles her 
then empties its mouth down the headless throat. <laughs> mm. The calves are Jersey crossbreeds. They were dropped off Saturday. Mr. Elliot doesn't know whether to kill the creatures or to permit them to live for scientific purposes. Apparently, the headless calf is getting along well. Seems to be breathing out its headless mouth. How long it could exist is problematical. There is no precedent on zoology on which to base a guess. End quote. There we go. Disgusting. How utterly (laughs) bizarre. I, it's basically the definition of the book, right? It's just so yeah. remarkably unusual. <laughs> One of my favorite things, and I, I made it a point to, like, I needed to do stories like this for the book. I love classic freaks of nature stories. I've, <laughs> Us too. I've always loved them. Yeah. You know, uh, a, a huge thing, you know, as a kid that left an impression on me is going to like a Ripley's Believe It or Not and walking inside and seeing like the full-size taxidermy like eight-legged cows or oh, yeah. two-headed alligators and things like that and it's like <laughs> to put yourself back in that time where these things would travel around the country to fairs and you know they'd be in a, a tent with no light and you'd have to pay like five cents to go in and see them and then you have to go out of the tent right away it's <laughs> like there's something about that that's so uh classic and mm. everyone is curious by like these quote unquote freaks of nature that it's oh, yeah. like to read these stories and to see when they were originally printed is just amazing to me. And I love them. Oh, hundred percent. There's something yeah. so like Canadiana and Americana about it. You know what I mean? I can just picture somebody in like the forties going, well, and obviously like Ripley's believe it or not, much more modern, but like mm-hmm. I'm just picturing like, you know, um, PT Barnum, right. And like the classic yeah. traveling, mm-hmm. it would have been so epic to be a fly on the wall or a genuine paying spectator to travel back in time and go do that. Mm-hmm. Like the Minnesota Iceman type of stuff. Oh, of course. And mm-hmm. you know, there's got to be one or two peppered in amongst the uh, the display mm. that genuinely were the uh, the two headed <laughs> duck Timothy and Tomothy. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> My newest acquisition, the latest additions. Did you want to share with our viewers actually what you just acquired? Yeah, so I I have a a cabinet, an ever growing cabinet of curiosities in my home, and uh, the most recent um, addition to said cabinet. Um, is a two-headed duck, which uh, was lovingly named Timothy and Tomothy. And uh, it stands about four inches tall. Um, very, very Aww. adorable. I, I... <laughs> it, it just keeps watch over the, you know, the, the Fiji mermaid and the bottled octopus and the coffin nails and all that. Ooh, Fiji mermaid. I haven't heard that reference for a while. Mm-hmm. One of the creepier episodes of X-Files. A good Fiji mermaid is, it's another one of those things. It's just classic carnival um, sideshow lore that, you know, you say the name Fiji mermaid and everyone knows what you're talking about. Oh, yeah. And uh, they're just fantastic. But uh, this story in general that that you just read, Mm -hmm. the description of it, that's something that you don't see much of anymore, like how in-depth of descriptions Mm-hmm. They get into the subject and just picturing this thing with its like gaping mouth in its neck Ugh. feeding from the second head dropping food yeah. into it. 
<laughs> describe <laughs> all the behaviors oh. that well yeah it's it's <clears throat> so strange like even that simple like just describing the mother the mother cow just <laughs> standing there helpless as this monster Ugh. just like fed and she's just like what have i done <laughs> i am just picturing the most bizarre like yeah i'm just trying it's to picture just... this hole like this yeah it's just like a little mouth it like looks little... like the mouth of like a mongolian death worm or something yeah. it's just like a sphincter mouth i'm picturing more of a slit type thing but see i'm picturing like right a disgusting like human mouth with teeth mm. and stuff <laughs> just yeah, little straight up human mouth and, yeah yeah. No matter yeah. what it is, yeah, you wouldn't want to... Well, sheep are weird. Lots of sheep are born with deformities. It's... I actually... I had to look into this because, you know, you got to go down the rabbit hole a little bit. Mm. But there's nothing as weird as what that story said. Like, there's been sheep born with, uh, like, you know, five legs or two heads that type of thing but nothing as crazy as that well i made you go down the rabbit hole with that because it's like all of the met, more medically leaning like very bizarre stories still in this it's like for me maybe those are the ones that could have some like we can lean on those as maybe being a little bit more true like the tumor stories or like a headless maybe it only survived a couple hours and then or well the two-headed is actually legit two like head, that's yeah. polycephaly or i'm probably mispronouncing that but it, it obviously they don't live very long like and if you're headless how the hell are you living <laughs> like, right. that doesn't make any sense <laughs> well it's almost like it it, it was going to be a three-headed calf <laughs> yeah so it's like and what did the other head do on the outside did it just like <laughs> hang around like i can't do anything so yeah, i don't know it almost had like a psychic connection to the body the headless body well see that's a strange question because it's like the it's the most literal example of like the mind body dualism <laughs> problem because mm. this body literally has no brain mm -hmm. attached to it at all so it's like mm. well, what is the mind if, Unless if that head was supposed to be on that side right weird it's all bizarre man. It's... <laughs> loved it though it was bizarre but you know all right. very, um, we should keep a count on how unique. many times we say the word bizarre actually yeah sorry uh, i wish we were playing a drinking game anyone that's listening that's having a beverage i would yeah every time yeah. i say that word yeah adam are you having just, a beverage right now i think people just need to drink because they had to listen to me go on about rods in the beginning <laughs> So. Are you kidding me, man? We're, there's a lot more Rod's talk to come. Maybe not on this episode, but brace yourself. He earned a, he earned right. a drink on that one. <laughs> okay. You guys ready for, we ready for our next story? Let's do it. Okay. Of course. Of course, I got to flip to the page here. I say that like I'm all prepared and I'm not. <laughs> but this next one was one of my faves. And as soon as I mentioned it to you the other day, I know it was one of your faves too. So this one is titled, A Boneless Man. <laughs> and this was published in the Ottawa Free Trader, May 10th, 1884, uh, Illinois. And I love it when it starts off like this, because it says it's published May 10th, 1884, Illinois. And then the first sentence says, The Cincinnati Times. <laughs> Mm -hmm. oh they loved back in the day it's like they took any story from anywhere they could find 
and they just republished them. Mm. So the starting location more than likely is not the original location at all. So that's totally. another thing like you have to you have to like look into when you're looking at it. Like where exactly did this take place at? It was mm-hmm. such a great reference for us because we like just recently came across that kind of for the first time talking about uh, Anjakuni Lake. Not the first time, but well, the associated. Well, I know, yeah, not the first time, mm-hmm. but the first time it really came up in detail. It was like, yeah, like you know, people were just submitting stories to like a national database. What was it called again? What was it called? It's like the Associated Press. Kind it was of like version. a different version of that. So that's why a weird story from Nunavut was published in Virginia. Mm, okay anyway a boneless man 1884 the cincinnati times publishes a letter from mr isaac arbuckle a member of the u.s marshal's posse engaged in searching up moonshiners in the mountains of eastern kentucky describing a strange creature whom he encountered in that region it was no less than such a curiosity barnum or uh forepaw is that another famous name we should know I believe it's a. Uh, uh, it was associated with the circus. Okay. Uh, okay. One of the circuses before um, Barnum got before into the circus Barnum. game. Mm. Okay. This history we're learning here, everybody. So it was no less than such a curiosity Barnum or Forpa no doubt would pay a large sum to possess a man without a bone in his body. Mr. Arbuckle found him, a middle-aged man of fair intelligence, sitting bolt upright, supported by a rude, peculiarly shaped framework. The writer proceeds. His neck was limber as a dishcloth, and when his head was released from its support, which was something in the shape of a similar contrivance used in photograph galleries, it rolled helplessly upon his shoulders like a football. His arms dropped at his side, but with the aid of the muscle he was enabled to partly raise the forearm. Although the hand curled over limply and gave the whole sort of zigzag shape, he suffered uh, off his slipper, or sorry, excuse me, he shuffled off his slipper and requested to me to step on his foot. I did so, and it at once spread itself out until it looked as if a railroad train had passed over it. I love that so much. It slowly resumed its natural shape, but it was fully a half an hour before he was able to get the foot in its slipper again. All right. <laughs> perhaps you would like me perhaps you would like to tie my leg in a knot, he suggested. I found no difficulty in performing this feat, while my friend accomplished the same with the other leg. Oh my goodness. And after we had also tied knots in both his arms, he presented a very knotty problem, indeed. <laughs> and one that would have set a professional contortionist crazy. When we had unraveled all the knots and straightened his limbs, again he requested us to lift him gently from his framework and placed him upon the floor. This we found no easy task, for his body slipped about in our arms like an eel, and it was only uh, and it was only be securing a firm grip around his clothing that we managed to keep him from falling. We finally succeeded in straightening him out on the floor, and then my friend who seems to thoroughly understand the boneless man's program, seized a barrel standing near, and which I afterward learned contained turnips, and swiftly upended it, and once proceeded to roll it over the prostrate Davis. 
from his toes up to his chin and back again to his toes. The only manifestation of pain he made was when the barrel passed over his heart and lungs, but it left him in a horrible shape. I can only describe it by comparing it to that of a man made of mud and then thrown up and flattened against a wall. But I had no time uh, to contemplate his flatness. as he almost immediately uh, called to us in a rather weak voice to roll him up. This we proceeded to do by doubling his head over his chest and then continuing to roll him up, as you would a carpet, until we came to his feet and he formed a perfect cylinder about as large as around half a barrel, a voice feebly piped out from the center of the cylinder for us to unroll him, and we soon had him once more spread out over the floor. And wow. that is the story of the boneless man. What do we make I, of that, folks? <laughs> when I when I first came across this one, I had to read it like three times. <laughs> and I, I instantly I get the image of like Stretch Armstrong. Oh yeah. In my head. But he's just like sitting all alone in this decrepit cabin by himself. Like someone <laughs> just left him there hung up on this rack. <laughs> yeah, like if someone just left him, he'd be screwed. Yeah. Where was his nurse and all this? His nurse. Well, or someone, caretaker. Okay, let me just throw this out <laughs> here then, because we're already, I mean, the story is so ridiculous. What is the believability of this? <laughs> Close to none. Like, how I, the heck? Like, unless he's not a human. That's the only option. What right? is he then? A seaweed? A seaweed. A seaweed. <laughs> <laughs> I... This, yeah, this one is like, this has just got to be a straight up, you know, piece of yellow journalism to just, to just fill a a column that they needed for that time, because this, nothing like this is possible. (laughs) No human being cannot have bones and be rolled up like a carpet. The Gumby human, we can't find him. (laughs) Maybe he had a weird disease. His bones dissolved. That's a very weird disease. He became like a slug man, kind of. Like he only had problems when they rolled up his lungs and his heart. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Hmm. what about his brain and stuff? Yeah. Well, they started off by saying that he was only of, you know, moderate intelligence or whatever. So maybe that was what they, they teed it up to make it okay to squish his brain. Unless this story is like a result of a game of telephone, you know, where someone met a contortionist and like, Oh, they can do this and this. And then the next person like, inflated mm. that and then the next one like exaggerated it and eventually you get a completely boneless man right i guess so. the only other suggestion i could have is like it's some sort of a really awesome like harry houdini magic trick um i don't know how you would mm. fake squishing your own foot mm. and tying your arm in a knot that's tough it'd be like tough even to if do. you're double jointed there's no way you could do that right Hmm. I feel like okay. there could have some like elements of truth through like a long about way to get to them, but it's right. either, in my opinion, it's either like just straight up fabrication or, you know, the result of, of telephone, like I said, and someone just completely blew it out of proportion. I either think way, the, it's fine. I, I agree. Yeah. I, I, I would have the three stories so far, I think probably Ooh. number one, is, is the most likely to be true. Actually, that's good. We should vote. What is the most likely? Yeah, we can do that right now. Like, where are we at so far? What do you think so far, Adam? 
I'd say probably out of them, um, the giant snake would mm-hmm. be. The I'd probably most agree with that. Yeah. Well, we're gonna ha- gonna have to go looking for a boneless man eventually here, but we'll put that on the list for the future project. <laughs> nice. Okay. Um. So, if we want to go into another one that is, mm-hmm. uh, kind of crazy. <laughs> uh, this one is called "Born with Full Beard and Talks at Christening." Yes. Nice. Oh, I love this one. Um, it was written in the San Francisco Call. On October 17th, 1904, uh, in California. Um, pretty short story, but the the image that it gives you in your mind is fantastic. Um, it goes on to say, Paris, October 16th. Being naturally superstitious, the Bretons are easily excited by tales of the mysterious. A story of a strange incident at the Chateau of Neuville, whose inhabitants were stripped by invisible hands, ran like wildfire through Brittany. Immediately, another mysterious event happened, in the belief of the country people at least. This second mysterious story is to the effect that in the village of Guemen, um, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, <laughs> last week, a boy was born with a beard and a mustache. These grew so fast that when his day of christening arrived, the babe had a beard a patriarch would envy. The christening was celebrated with much drinking of cider. In the midst of the festivities, the baby sat up in his cradle and cried solemnly, Drink good cider, friends. Drink, drink, for next year you will drink blood. The terrified guests dropped their mugs and fled pell-mell. The child, prophet of ill, has not said a word since. Oh, that's (laughs) disturbing. That's so crazy. I love So there's like three weird things going on here. Mm -hmm. The first part of it, they reference another event which they don't talk about. Apparently citizens in this place were, were stripped or assaulted by some invisible means. The, uh, the second part is that this, this baby's beard and mustache were apparently amazing. (laughs) And, uh, the whole, the, the weird prophecy of you will drink blood and then never talking again. Yeah. At christening too. Like babies can't talk when they're that young you think yeah so it's like a possession hmm. it's a is i mean the beard sounds like I mean, we've been watching futurama it's like the robot devil is what i'm picturing when bender gets the the magnet beard <laughs> onto him but i mean it sounds distinctly if we're if you're looking through a catholic lens here hmm. what do you think adam i have no idea what this one it, it <laughs> yeah it seems like some weird um some like weird story that they tell in in a church of some sort about how you know a prophecy is going to be fulfilled or you know make sure you get back in church soon and pray because something's happening and we want to be prepared for it i Hmm. i don't know it doesn't seem like a story of warning because they're not given warning over anything but Mm -hmm. i have i have no idea with this one just but just the image of like a baby with just a full head of hair and beard and mustache, just yelling at people drinking. Like I love, I love the image that it presents. It's like Benjamin Button kind of, you know? Oh yeah. <laughs> really angry. What happened to this baby? I wish we could know whose baby was and trace it. Like did it. <laughs> he ended up as some 
saint or something? Or a prophet or some sort of mystic or who knows. Maybe his relic bones are still being worshipped somewhere for all we know. Right. uh, Someone preserved his beard and mustache. Someone, yeah, it's not the jawbone. It's the mustache. (laughs) (laughs) That's what gave him all his power. It's just a mustache (laughs) and like a Ziploc bag. Mm. Yeah, that is, that is. That's great. And sorry, what was the location for that one again? Um, It's, it said it originally started out with Paris, um, mm. and then it said Chateau of Newville, and mm. then Village of Guamen. It's so cool how, well, I mean, I guess I haven't come across too, too many like that one where it's v- clearly coming from much further away. It's not mm. just, you know. I saw one from like Venice or something in okay. Italy, I think. I can't remember exactly what the circumstances were. That speaks to the whole Associated Press thing that we can't remember the name of in the <laughs> 18-whatevers. Yeah, what the heck was Anyways. Well. Yeah, it'll come back to us. Mm. Okay, well. Oh, here, let me. I guess we can, we'll add that one in. Fourth story in here. Yeah, that was a beauty. I, I still think. I'm, I've amassed a theme of stories from this oddities in print. That's, I'm kind of calling I don't really know if I want to call it blasphemous babies, but just weird baby <laughs> Oh, I stories. love that title, though. Monstrous birth stories, you oh, know? I, I do really like babies. blasphemous babies. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, I don't want them to think there's, like, you know, something bad unnecessarily just because you're We're born We're not hurting wings. these blasphemous babies' feelings, okay? Well, I, you know. These blasphemous babies are hurting everyone else's feelings. That's right. <laughs> They've teamed up with the rods. They can't be trusted. Oh, oh God. Another layer. <laughs> Okay, well, I'm sort of switching gears a tiny bit here. This next story is called A Feminine Phenomenon. And I kind of chose it just because I really love the name. Reminds me of a RuPaul song, but anyways, that's a side note. Comes from the Raftsman Journal, dated April 10th, 1867, Pennsylvania. But actually, the New York Evening Gazette. Um... And it goes on as falls. A trustworthy gentleman gives us an account of an extraordinary illness of a young woman, a Miss Windsor in Providence, Rhode Island. Miss W has been confined to her bed for several months and has not partaken of sufficient nourishment to keep her alive if she had been in normal condition. Yet her faculties have become strangely acute, and she seems to be endowed with a special of second sight. When the physician, Dr. Ira Barrow, calls on her, she can tell the numbers of visits he has made, the number of houses of his patients, and describe accurately their complaints. The clock having been removed from her chamber, she was enabled to determine at any hour the exact time of day or night and she would describe the color size and markings of the doctor's house and the hue and the texture of the linings of his carriage she composed a poem in which she calls the sea serpent one half of each line in latin and the rest in english which was pronounced by the professors of brown university pure latin although she has never the least instruction in the language. She also draws finely without taking lessons and does other extraordinary things not to be accounted for by 
any of the known laws of temperament, medicine, or science. While asleep, her right arm is constantly in motion, although it is perfectly powerless when she is awake. A number of physicians and savants of Providence are deeply interested in the case of Miss Windsor and are endeavoring to solve the mystery of her seemingly supernatural powers. Miss Windsor. Miss What do we make of Miss Windsor? All right. I don't know. I mean, do you remember this one, Adam? Yeah. Uh, Miss Windsor is interesting because, like, you still hear modern accounts of people who have been in similar situations where, you know, they've fallen ill or they've, you know, had an accident or been involved in something where they then, like, gain the ability to do seemingly like bizarre things that they were never able to do before. Mm -hmm. So like that part of it has that air of believability around it where, um, you know, the being able to speak Latin, but never being able to speak it before type of thing. But it's like, she does this all while like confined to her bed with some illness. Mm. And, and, and the second sight is is very strange but you know if the if the doctor's verifying it it's, it's like there's something there but i do just want to point out um a lot of times with these newspapers they to make them believable if they are fictional uh they would like use the name of an actual doctor at the time which hmm. can usually be verified but whether or not that doctor was actually involved in any case like this mm-hmm. that's where it becomes muddy trying to mm-hmm. figure that uh, out so yeah and all we have 50- is the last name like miss windsor like it's very yeah. vague yeah it's and it's it's that 50 50 thing it's like it, there's some of it could be real some of it might be fake but they don't give you enough to go one way or the other they give you just enough mm-hmm. and that's what like, makes me wonder it's like in some of these situations is it where it's like they're just giving you enough to be interested or is it just that's the information that whoever wrote it had so Mm -hmm. it's almost like they're in the same situation right you know what i mean it's like you're a reporter you wish you knew more but you're you've been maybe fed this story secondhand or something you're like oh and 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 that's the thing it's like maybe there's follow-ups to some of this stuff it's like is there subsequent articles about the headless kitten yeah cow i tried i tried to find more it's um, on miss windsor i couldn't of course but even this like you know this kind of what they're describing here almost reminds me of remote viewing to a certain degree like you know she's obviously had some sort of psychic ability and it must be closely tied to if we're to believe this at all obviously closely tied to her environment so obviously the doctor visiting her constantly would be a source of like um uh, stimuli i guess that mm. might sort of provoke these <clears throat> second sight visions or something it's bizarre though the, the latin's kind of cool too it reminds me of that uh that british woman that claimed to be an egyptian queen reborn and she yeah. had all sorts of knowledge that she shouldn't have which seems to be similar to this case to a certain degree you know but the manner in yeah. which it's acquired it's like is what's the question Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what I was just going to say. It's they they don't tell you what sort of illness she had or it might mm-hmm. not even been an illness. It might have been like a result of injury, like a head yeah. injury or something like that, but um yeah, yeah, like I've I've heard and read many stories before of people who have 
claim to, you know, I, I had a concussion or I was in a coma for six months. And when I woke up, like I could speak fluent French, things like <laughs> mm-hmm. that. And it's like, like that is on record of that happening to people. Mm-hmm. Um, could this have been the same thing? Was it a head injury and not an illness or yeah. it, was it some unexplained illness that, you know, is super, super rare that <laughs> we have very little cases to base it off of. I don't know. Well, we'll that, never know. That, and, and, and maybe right there is sort of like the root of a conversation on the everything is connected conversation. And it really just like the power of the human mind is like, is all of this bizarre stuff, not, not necessarily in the book or the stories we're talking about today, but just like paranormal phenomena in general, maybe very real depending on who you're talking to per se, what is quote unquote real, I'm air quoting here, but it really is like, powered by the by the human mind hmm. i mean we'll talk we, we've talked about it many a time we'll like talk about it again it's not woo woo <laughs> no i mean just yeah, go into a coma and wake up and you're speaking french i mean i don't know you have amnesia amnesia <laughs> now we're oh, we are not making a desperate housewives reference oh wait just i just did it. shit all right okay how many stories have we done? Well, it's your turn. Okay. I think we're on to story number six. Yeah, this would be six. Number six. I'm shifting themes like a tiny bit here. And this is one where there's quite a few cases in this book talking about raining blood, raining mm. bones, and just generally raining some weird stuff. Yeah, you got raining reptiles raining snakes blood pebbles uh, all the good stuff pebbles flesh now i'm gonna start i'm 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 focusing more a little bit more on the the flesh and blood side of it because the animals i feel like is in a little bit of a separate category potentially Mm -hmm. even though one of the theories for all of this involves interdimensionality or or teleportation or things of however you want to describe it but like not just straight oh i got whipped up in a water spout so Curious phenomenon. The Charlotte Democrat, November 6th, 1876, North Carolina. This is a weird one. Okay. On Saturday afternoon, October 28th, a shower of flesh, or what looked very much like flesh, fell from the skies in Gaston County. The phenomena occurred on the plantation of Mr. James M. Hanna near Gastona Station. It covered the space of about a half an acre of ground and resembled jerked beef, but without the bones. The pieces were from uh, a fourth to half an inch in size. There is no, no doubt about the occurrence, as it was seen by gentlemen in whose word we can have confidence, which is what many of these stories say. <laughs> a similar phenomena occurred in Samson County in this state about 25 years ago. It was called a shower of flesh and blood. We saw the matter that fell and remembered that it looked very much like fresh beef. Very strange. The Yorkville Inquirer gives the following account of the strange occurrence in Gaston. Quote, The phenomena of flesh falling from a cloudless sky occurred in Gaston County, North Carolina on Saturday afternoon. The shower, if such we may term it, fell in a cotton field belonging to James Hanna, who lives near Gastonia. The flesh, for such, is it certainly is, fell for several minutes, descending somewhat in the manner of hailstones falling. 
and sprinkle the space of ground equal to a square rod. Oh, <laughs> Mr. Hannah, who saw the shower as it fell, says it was perfectly clear at the time and that there was nothing unusual visible in the sky at the place of the singular occurrence. Mr. R. Frank Clark of this place returned from Gaston County last Monday and brought a specimen of the flesh with him. A microscopic examination indicates that it resembles the flesh of a cow. And a gentleman in town uh, who had the uh, temerity, is that how you pronounce that? To taste it, says it tastes similar to beef. Ugh. He End tasted of it? the story. Well, it's very iron rich, probably. Maybe. Okay, so <laughs> I just want to break down a couple of things here. So obviously it starts off by saying it's shower of flesh. And there's a few other stories in here that we'll get to maybe in another episode where it's similar things. It's like it smells bad or it's it's clearly like a, <laughs> a biological phenomenon that's not plant matter. Mm. It's resembling jerked beef. It makes it sound as if a poor 1876 slaughterhouse got somehow spun up in a cyclone dried by the sun in the air and beef jerky fell down in North Carolina. What do you think? (laughs) The, 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 the image that like one gets when they say that, you know, flesh fell from the sky is always like, it reminds me of like a metal cover. Oh yeah. (laughs) Something you'd see some like eighties metal band. But um, I remember once I was watching, I want to say it was a show like Mysteries at the Museum or something like that. And they were talking about an instance like this where some of what fell from the sky was saved. Like someone who had happened to in the, the late 1800s, early 1900s had the, the thought, I should probably bottle some of this up. And they did. And um, they tested it. And yeah, it was it was it was flesh. Um and the theory they gave is they believe that, and, and they said a pack of buzzards or vultures were probably flying overhead and they have the ability to puke up their entire stomach. Oh. Oh. And they think that these, these birds, vo- uh, vultures or buzzards, I can't remember exactly which one, all at once like puked up the contents of their stomach and it rained down on like this this farm field and after like when it hit the ground everyone looked up and of course the birds were gone already of course that's the theory they presented and okay Hmm. all at once how many birds how much exactly like it sounds very joe nickley yeah it's it's like the swamp gas thing it's just like yeah, it's something that can happen, but right. did it specifically happen in this in this context? It's, it's like it's maybe. taking one thing we do know exists, birds, and then applying something ridiculous to something we know exists. That they were all together in one place yeah, and puked well, at the exact same time. I didn't think you were going there, Adam. I thought you were gonna say like there was a bunch of buzzards in the air and they got ripped apart by like a Ooh. jet engine and then their flesh rained down. <laughs> I don't think we had jet engines at that time. (laughs) We might not have, but the aliens did. That's true. There you go. The airships. They didn't have like zero point energy then. They had engines. Jet engines. Right. We were living in the 1800s. They were in 2005. Yeah. That's right. 
Well, that's actually a funny tweet. I saw we were talking about your rod tweets off the top. There was an interesting thread the other day, uh, you know, where it was talking about how like, you know, the descriptions of craft uh, for abductees back in the day was always like very much nuts and bolts, you know, like the metal ramp came down, they were wearing helmets and suits and it's all so antiquated. And then like, it all Mm. is very futuristic now comparatively. And I'm like, well, I, I comment on one of them being like, well, maybe there's a different class of uh, aliens that are abducting people here. Some people are driving an old Chevy tracks. Other people are driving a Bentley. Right. Yeah. You got the poachers and the scientists. That's right. Hmm. But I want to say though, huge shout out to the person who ate this. Seriously. From the sky. Like that's not something I would ever do. So like major kudos to that person. It was like 1876 Johnny Knoxville. Yeah. I'll eat it. I'll tell you what it is. Sure. It's like, go for it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's so many other cases in this, in the, in your, that you've compiled here that are similar. Mm -hmm. And I kind of want to do an episode just talking about them. And we do have one coming. That's more animals Mm. raining from the sky, but there's something distinctly like, I mean, let's say, let's put aside, you know, like, you know, birds exploding from some weird different pressure changes in the air or vomiting stuff up or like another reason why meat essentially would be falling from the sky because that's the thing is like is this human meat I mean, well that would be know. weird maybe it's something microbiological like the guy tastes it and he's like it tastes like beef is this a situation where people are like oh it tastes like chicken everything tastes like chicken i mean we don't know what kind of well, meat this was because that's just it's, it's actual flesh it's not just blood because like right. there are some explanations of like micro algae yeah so i, to, like, I added this events. in here yeah it's like so okay so like there was a lot of blood rain that happened throughout history mm-hmm. and the flesh is kind of like what made it even more strange because the mm-hmm. blood rain which was thought to be literally blood um you know before the around the 17th century like it was written in homer's iliad it's referenced um there's a bunch of other mm-hmm. historical references to it and they thought it was real but Pliny it's Pliny the Elder Pliny the Elder another classic one but it's thought to have been most likely a mixture of sand and dust particles with like a super iron rich i guess or ochre or whatever other red mineral is going to give it that color it looks like it's raining blood and then when it dries it's also red so it well, looks like dried blood i'm just reading here this is just like cole's notes but like there was like blood rain in this one region that was caused by microalgae, like algae, like actual algae that was interesting. I'm just reading so there's like I don't even know. there's real who knows how true ways in which red rain can fall, but when there's mm-hmm. chunks yeah. of literal flesh is when it's a different story. <laughs> it's just my mind. If, let if we propose like a completely outrageous theory. Yes, a tornado hit a cemetery. A freshly buried body in a shoddily made coffin was sucked up into the tornado, thrown around in the clouds for a while, and like was obliterated up in there. It's just now chunks of flesh. The tornado goes away. The cloud floats over this farm. It rains the the corpse down, and it, it takes off. Plot twist. The person who ate the piece of meat was related to the corpse. <laughs> oh, that's dark. We okay. This is that's an episode of Creep Show. Yeah, we've got it. 
Hmm. Need to write but it down. But if, if we're going to go outrageous, that's the one I'm going to go with. Okay. <laughs> I That's pretty outrageous. I mean, this is, this is Into the Portal. You guys both know where I always go. I wrote it in my notes here. I was like, maybe <laughs> this is some sort of um, time travel gone ex- terribly wrong. You know how they always say when it's like uh, the idea of like, oh, like, yeah, like you could try to pass through a wormhole or mm. go through a black hole, but you'll end up just a big pile of goop. Maybe yeah. there was some experimenting going on in a different time period. And this is the result. Maybe. That's that's what I'm tossing out there. That has no weight behind it at all. <laughs> what if you are the person who exploded? You just haven't done it yet. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> The rods are involved here. We both know. Oh, damn you rods. <laughs> they all, they'll come back eventually. No, that's a plot twist. That's a plot that twist. You're the one that you're reading the story about yourself. Whew. Oh, geez. damn. Yeah. Take yeah. that warning, took, Andrew. Mind blown. Don't do the experiment. Don't do the Don't experiment. Don't do the experiment. <laughs> no, take the rad pill. <laughs> oh, man. In, uh, in terms of believability, though, out of these three, I'd say this is probably the most believable one. Mm-hmm. Then Miss Windsor. Mm-hmm. Then the bearded baby. That's a good order. Yeah, I think so, too. <laughs> I think so, too. I, I'm honestly a little bit overwhelmed <laughs> sitting here, like, holding on to what is now essentially, like, the Bible of into the portal mm-hmm. and just like there's so many stories <laughs> it's it's a paranormal researcher's wet dream is what mm. it is really this book oh, i should have put i should put that on the back cover you should <laughs> like, can you let me write a forward for your next or a review book? we'll put that in or i can put it in review yeah. for sure yeah mm-hmm. go for it well i can whip that up that'd be great a forward yeah, I, I, and, I, and again, I'm just so excited to like, I, I guess we're kind of coming down to, to the end here, you guys. We can have any sort of final thoughts and theories on any of these stories. The the irony is like every, every one of the stories we talked about today is crazy. And I feel like we've only dipped our toes into the pool of madness. Mm-hmm. I do have one that's, it, it's, it's short. Let's and do I it. I think this, it's a, it's more of a creepy, it's a creepy one. Um, I perceive it as creepy compared to like the last two that I did. Okay. Um, and I thought it would fit in in nicely amongst like all these. Perfect. Uh, this one is called The Visitors. Um, it's from the Watertown Republican uh, from Wisconsin, December 13th, 1882. And it goes on to say, a singular case is reported from Locust Gap, Pennsylvania. Thomas Moore used to be employed at Lock Spring Colliery as night watchman, and on different occasions while making his rounds, an apparition confronted him. He disliked to make revelation of the strange occurrence either to the colliery officials or his family. He became so unnerved that he was forced to give up his position and make known what he had seen. The visitors were seen periodically for a year and were human in shape, silently flittering about and were always preceded by a stifling smell of sulfur. After leaving the colliery, the visitations appeared at his house and were witnessed also by his wife, who the other night saw the apparition in her bedroom, and in her fright to arouse her husband, a revolver which they had under the pillow went off, the ball entering her left breast. After suffering great pain, Mrs. Moore died the next day. 
She leaves seven children. The affair causes great excitement. So essentially, these unknown, weird, human-shaped <laughs> things cause this woman to accidentally die out oh, of wow. fear that it's caused bizarre. an accident. Gee. The visitors. The smell that's of sulfur. sulfur. That's interesting. That's very... Poltergeisty or just like ghosty in general? Ghosty and also UFO sightings It's associated with... Yeah, sulfur too. gets lumped in with a lot of different stuff. Just the just the very vague description. They were seen periodically, human in shape, mm-hmm. silently flittering about. Yeah. That's so it's Flittering. It's like shadow... Yeah, yeah, like I kind of picture it like static, like f- fading in and out, but just mm-hmm. like jumping kind of along the room in this mm-hmm. weird staticky stroby. Flittering, like they're halfway yeah, through that, the veil or something. Right. Like, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is a freaky one. That's super creepy. And again, one of those ones where it's hard to, you know, really find any like anything to really corroborate it, but it's very much that immediately reminded me of like shadow people. Or, hmm. I mean, just there's there's so many cases of entities like that, people who genuinely are affected. That's weird. Mm-hmm. That's a weird. That was from the 1820s. You said Adam. Uh, 1882. Oh, 1882. Okay. I wonder how hard it would have been to have gotten help from the church back then if you weren't Catholic. Because I feel like now, and again, I'm I, I'm probably thinking of this because you had that funny that comment. Uh, I, I, lots of Twitter references today, but you had that reference the other day, Adam, where it's like, "Don't forget that time, like the Warrens told some guy who like wasn't possessed, and they thought he was that he it was it was a total misinterpretation of a guy who just like had mental yeah, illness he had, or whatever." He had- mental health issues but they convinced him that he was possessed by a demonic wolf spirit and that because of that he was a supernatural werewolf who needed an exorcism but the exorcism could only be done in america (laughs) that's the part that's the biggest red flag i think it's like it has to be done in america yeah i think at this time like if you were to approach the church to ask for help about this I don't think you'd receive it because right. this is the time mm-hmm. they were using it as, um, you know, these were warnings. This is what people believe to be real. And like, even thinking about this stuff would like open the door for you to like encounter the quote unquote devil. So it's like, you almost had to suffer in silence about it if it was actually happening. <laughs> and, um, you know, you ju- you did your rituals yourself, like you said your prayers and you you know you prayed on your rosary and things mm-hmm. like that, or whatever other denominate religious denomination you were, you did those rituals. So it's like they, like he like he said, like he didn't want to tell anyone about it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You'd be ostracized, so highly, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You're like you're just suffering on your own. Man. <laughs> dark days and it makes you wonder too it's like i I always think about this one especially there like reading the stories from the 1880s 1820s whatever it might be it's like were people back then that had less just straight up like stimuli that we have today just like bombarded with like tv and we have our phones in our face all the time and it's like we we've all gone to school and have like all this other extra knowledge and extra stuff bombarding us all the time like were these people more susceptible to something very real affecting them whereas today 
we're less because we're just distracted. I might be walking right past a demon in my kitchen every day and he doesn't even, he doesn't even have a chance of messing with me because I'm basically like a walking, breathing Leslie Nielsen. I'm too out to lunch to even yeah. be impacted by it. Honestly, it makes sense. Like hearing it, like it, it's not a bad theory. It's really not. <laughs> we're just so Thank distracted, <laughs> overstimulated. Right. We can't, we just aren't capable of it. So it's like a poor soul in 1880 who just believes in God. And believes in these, you know, and believes in the devil. Man, that's dark. That's that to me, that is the creepiest thing, and that is the exact reason why every time Amber jokes about using the Ouija board, I'm like, I'd prefer not to. <laughs> I don't joke. I just ask and be like, Do you want to try it? Well, maybe I should actually. I'm sort of talking about both sides of my mouth here. If I don't think I'm that susceptible, I should be down to use the Ouija board. Exactly. And wave at some demons. Try it. Adam, we're gonna have to. We should. Get, we we should do it together. I mean, you'll be fine because you're there. You'll just see us being, you know, possessed. <laughs> be like Paranormal Activity six or seven or what are they on now? Yeah. I'm just watching through the webcam. I'm something like sneaking up behind you. Guys. Yeah, my sound cuts out, so you can't hear me yelling. Go, go, turn on the lights. <laughs> Thank God, it's behind you. <laughs> yep. we'll movie. make that happen. We'll do a we'll do a Ouija board event. Mm-hmm. We'll do a Ouija board event. Maybe that'll happen with. Uh, in Europe? Yeah. Well, in, in Europe, Italy. and I was going to say also, in the confines of the new headquarters of our up-and-coming project. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I hope I'm really doing a good job teasing this for everyone listening. I hope you're getting excited about whatever the hell this is. I am. <laughs> I hope nice. so. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to it. I, I'm so stoked. I'm so stoked. <laughs> and that's coming. That is coming soon, you guys. So, like, follow us on Instagram at Into the Portal Podcast and stay tuned for some posts about that and how that's going to be coming down the pipe. Mm-hmm. Did you guys have any, like, final thoughts or anything you wanted to any, – anything that stood out from any of these stories today? I mean, we've already kind of covered I don't know. I, I, I'll just say that I enjoyed all of them immensely. And the more I look through Oddities in Print, I haven't read it completely cover to cover yet. I'm about halfway through. And it's just... Ah. I'm jealous of your research capabilities, Adam, and all these obscure sort of sources that you've been able to compile into this amazing reference work that we're definitely going to be using going forward oh yeah so many episodes and of course we're going to be shouting you out all the time so i just want to say i just appreciate your passion you know that's kind of my final thoughts like i said like when i was younger it was so difficult to find some of these weird stories so if i can make Mm -hmm. it easier for anyone else it's like then it's 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 all worth it in the end plus a lot of these stories they were written you know, some of them were written like 200 years ago and they may have never been seen since. So to keep these hidden away is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Totally. Like people yeah. should be able to read these. Exactly. It's such beautiful history. Yeah. yeah. And it's just pure. You haven't like edited or adulterated it at all. I think you said there was one incredibly racist reference where you just couldn't include that, but good on you for having that. Yeah, <laughs> Lens, that's that's the only... That's the only thing that was, there's one story in particular. Um, I'm not going to say what it was because mm-hmm. if I don't say it, like you would not even tell, but right. there was uh there was a racist term that needed to be removed because no, yeah. it, it just does not need to be a thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We can appreciate that. And a lot of people out here listening would too. So. All right. Well, 
we are definitely coming down to the end here because if we wanted to jump into another story and another story, we'd be here for 600 plus pages of awesome weirdness and we're going to save it for, for some future mm-hmm. goodness for you guys. Um, so yeah, Adam, thank you so much for coming back on the show and really looking forward to having you back on very, very soon. Just another one of the many teases I've had in this episode. But before you go, can you just tell our listeners like, where to find the book series, where they can find you on social media, and just mm-hmm. one last little blurb for Pine Barrens. Yeah, everything uh, everything can be found at pinebarrensinstitute.com. Uh, you got links to Twitter, Instagram. Uh, there's links for the shop, which has the books in it and all that stuff. Um, if you're feeling really dangerous, you can follow me on Twitter and learn <laughs> just the hidden knowledge of the rods they don't want you to know and um you know some of the secret the more secretive side of the the supernatural that's dangerous Mm -hmm. i highly recommend it Mm -hmm. it's good awesome awesome sweet well most of you guys already know where to find us but if you don't Come follow us on Instagram at Into the Portal Podcast. We are also uh, tweeting strange things, although regrettably not as active as Adam is recently on Twitter at Into the Portal One. We are trying our best on TikTok. It's a struggle, but maybe if we get more followers, you'll inspire us. So that's also Into the Portal. And IntoThePortal.com is our home base for everything ITP and strange. We have revamped our merch. So that's one thing that I'm really excited about. And there's like, there's a lot more awesome designs to come, but the first one we put up there is kind of just, you know, it's a, it's a reference to my love of basketball, but also the paranormal. So we have the jump squatch uh, hoodie, I believe a hoodie and a t-shirt mm. up in there. And, and it's a sweet design. It's, it's super really fun. Like and a crew neck. And a crew neck. Yeah. Have you seen this one, Adam? Yeah, I really like it. Dope. <laughs> It's an original design by our friend Nick at I Really Love Pixels. So if you uh, you should go check him out. He does some really cool artwork and stuff. But yeah, hit up our shop. Helps out the show. And stay tuned for some uh, some yeah brand new some stuff. Some more oddities in print. Some more oddities in print. And more from Adam. And uh, yeah. That's right. So hit us up, you guys. Um, send us an email uh, into the portal mailbox at gmail.com so you can send us questions uh, about our show, about adam about the book about whatever and yeah adam thank you so much man can't wait to have you back on can't wait to come back talk to you soon hey everyone andrew here i just wanted to take a sec and go out on a limb and state something obvious relationships take work and a lot of us will drop anything to go help someone we care about We'll go out of our way to treat other people really well and our relationships with other people. But how often do we give ourselves the same type of treatment? I've been trying to eat better this year and keep a more positive perspective in the face of negativity, but sometimes this is really hard. And that is also why I invest in my mental health. And this helps me be my best self. You are your greatest asset. So we want to encourage you to invest the time and effort into yourself the same amount as you do for other people. This month, BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you to take care of your most important relationship, the one that you have with yourself. BetterHelp.com is online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. 
It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist that's right for you in under 48 hours. There's over 2 million people who have turned to BetterHelp.com for successful online therapy. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and listeners of Into the Portal get 10% off their first month by visiting BetterHelp.com portal. That's BetterHelp, B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash portal. Well, that was a great little chat. What that was a, lovely. Yeah, such a fun time, as, as always, with Adam. Like, you know, he's uh, very informative and entertaining at the same time. Well, and get used to get used to having him on, because yeah. it's going to be a lot more Adam uh, on Into the Portal. So as Andrew be... alluded to many a time. And, Probably a couple uh, more uh, times before the end of the uh, recording. I, I think so, I think so. <laughs> Lots of stuff in the works sure. there. A few but things to unpack here. I think we need to, yeah, even just like unpack a little bit more, because there was a lot of things we covered in that little discussion there and you know before we dive into each of these stories a little bit further like I just wanted to say like I really appreciated uh Adam's perspective on all of this and you know the the yeah just the idea that you know I and in particular there's there's a pattern with a lot of these stories Mm -hmm. and he kind of he he illuminated that really well and it's the idea that many of these are truly fantastical right that's why they're oddities and i love the definition of that even that he includes on the cover i don't know if we don't have the cover around here we don't have it in front of us right now but these are amazing stories that are so rich with detail that they do seem believable to a certain degree it's like who is making this up but at the same time they have a tendency to just trail off just as suddenly as they have appeared in yes, this sort of do. cultural canon. And I, it is frustrating how there's no follow-up with a lot of it. No conclusivity, if you want to call it that, or this this phenomena that, you know. And, and I really liked, again, how he talked about the evolution of language. That was another really interesting point. Yeah, no kidding, right? Like the way that the, uh, yeah, th- these stories are attempted to be conveyed. Definitely, you, yeah. you can see the shift from like 1830 up into 1920 or mm, whatever, mm-hmm, say, as an example. Mm-hmm. And you're right, like we've run into this over and over and over and time and time again, where the follow-up is a little lackluster. And that's where we end up, you know, years and decades and even centuries later in some of these cases, trying to see whether or not any of this had any legs Mm. at all and of course king cade's cave and those articles were kind of one of the most recent examples on into the portal where it's like Mm -hmm. i'm old man yelling at cloud with that stuff it's like give me one more article (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) but alas we've got nothing but amazing tidbits yeah amazing amazing tidbits Mm -hmm. and i really appreciate how we covered a wide spectrum of the themes because a lot of them that we all chose were so different from one another, yet there's a lot of different examples within those that run throughout. So yeah. there's there's currents, right? And that's the, one of the most interesting things about uh, volume such as this, where it is basically unedited, un, like, you know, like unadulterated. It's just ordered from sequentially, right, from years on like you know through the decades so to speak but right. yeah I, I love how you can pick up on those threads right like and like i said i already mentioned this off the top where there's like we already have like over probably like half a dozen episodes <laughs> yep. planned because there's so many different 
patterns. And I know that some of these, even if they're like a one-page thing, as part of these mm. themes that are going to be coming up on the show, they're going to at least give us, you know, they're all bread cl- breadcrumbs along Ooh, yeah. the trail, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, that's a good uh, way to look at it. And so that's how I like to think of it, right? Mm-hmm. We're piecing together the larger puzzle of, of, of weirdness here. Whether or not you'd like to believe a lot of these things are or, or not, because obviously... Utterly fantastical. Yeah. Era of yellow journalism. Mm. All these sorts of things. But also things that may be true. And I actually think mm-hmm. if we kick it off with uh, one of Adam's stories, the uh, the first story, The Swallowed Man. Yes. 1889. Mm-hmm. If we wanted to speculate a little, a little bit on that, because that to me is in the camp of one of these ones where it could be very much a true story in mm-hmm. and amongst these ones that are way more unbelievable. Yeah, exactly. And it obviously is super fantastical. The idea of this ancient serpent, this megalithic serpent of some type, like that has somehow swallowed an entire man, entombed a man inside of him, including some sort of hatchet or tool or whatever it was. Right. That is incredible, but... Out of the three we presented in that round, it was definitely the most possible. Yeah, and it's 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 actually it's happened before. Uh, yeah. So yeah. just even as an example, uh, some recent ones, twenty seventeen and twenty eighteen, both of which uh, were uh, in Indonesia, where there were the bodies of full grown uh, a full grown twenty five year old man who had gone missing from a village, uh, who was then later found in a twenty three foot long uh, reticulated python. Yeesh. So <clears throat> it's a thing. It's I'm a assuming thing. this was a smaller, I mean, they say full-grown full Indonesian man. I mean, I don't know how large of a person. I'm assuming he wasn't like six foot five. Old, uh, yeah. You know what I mean? But still. That's crazy. I, well, the one thing I really liked about this story was the fact that it was an ancient, like, you know, a Neolithic era. Like, you know, the fact yes. that it wasn't just a modern story where he was swallowed last week and now here's Billy <laughs> the next week kind right. of thing. But And it makes you wonder, it's like, was this poor sap swallowed alive somehow and he had the hatchet yeah. in hand or was he sleeping or was he already dead? Mm. Well, yeah, you'd think he'd try and, like, hatch <laughs> his way out. Well, yeah. I don't know. Or was he, was there venom involved here? Was he, was he... What kind of snake? There's nothing it? more terrifying than the prospect of being <laughs> slowly digested alive. Mm-hmm. I think it's got to be up there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's a lot of terrible ways to go. That's definitely one of them. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, so do well, you want to move on to the, the beard? Sure. How, talking about ways to go, how about ways to enter this world? <laughs> yeah, there you go. With a full beard and talking at your christening, apparently. That's pretty awesome. With the, the, the rock star head of hair. And <laughs> that was pretty, that was one of my favorites when I started to flip through this book. And, you know, it catches your eye right away, just the, the name. Because there's a lot in this book that it's like, mysterious phenomena or like, you know, like something like that. But this is yeah. like, what? You have to do a double take when you see a headline like that, which I'm sure a lot of people were doing back in of whatever. It, I can't remember exactly the year that he said it happened, but uh, yeah, pretty insane. We had some sort of brief speculation on what could have <laughs> been involved with this type of a story. Mm. But for me, you know, it's very, uh, it has it has an air of, yeah, like the Jersey Devil, which I think we actually mentioned with Adam or Ooh, something along those lines. The right? blasphemous it's a blasphemous It's a blasphemous yeah. a birthing of something of high strangeness yeah. and it makes you wonder because there's like there's a lot of stories like this mm-hmm. blasphemous babies mm-hmm. quote, quote unquote if whatever you want to call them yeah with hooves or with beards or with whatever and this, it makes you yeah. wonder is it like are some of them just really weird genetic anomalies and then someone added on the like talking aspect to it Maybe. at a later date <laughs> or or are they are they some weird demon babies perhaps perhaps i 
I don't know, right? It's, it's kind of one of those ones where it feels like, well, Adam even said it, and I, I don't think he was talking about the story, I'm sure with the telephone tag, like, you know, that sort of oh, yeah. phenomenon where it of just course. gets exaggerated as the story gets passed like, along. Like, literally, the story was just about a baby who had, like, a couple of little strands of uh, string, puby facial hair or something, like, <laughs> and then it turned into that a white. full beard and uh, toxic christening, christening with a white beard. Yeah. Like, it's, yeah. you know. Well, that's just one aspect of that story, though, because there was also the allusion to some other strange phenomena that wasn't fully explained. That's right. Before the baby was born. It was almost as if that was like a sign. And then this happens, this sort of quote unquote unnatural birth where it's like the whole reversal Benjamin Button type thing or whatever you want to call it. Right. Then the third element was that prophecy that he says at the christening, which is pretty... Uh, dark, yeah, pretty ominous, I'd say. Yeah. Like, yeah. drink up now because next you'll be drinking blood is essentially what he said, and that is freaky-deaky, man. And that makes you think of demonic possession or yep. something of that nature, oh, yeah. right? And mm-hmm. it's like, well, yeah, why not cause a baby to grow a beard and freak freak out a whole village or whatever? Yeah. I think maybe it happened. Yeah, it almost reminds me of the plot of... The Midwich Cuckoos, what was that called, the actual movie? We covered it on a film Friday, but it was like those those entities, those like ch- children from the different world. That Village come. of the Damned. Village of the Damned, yeah. It's almost like this is a child of the Damned that has come into this world. Because like, if you got white hair and a beard, I don't know. Like, what happened to this baby? This is still my biggest question. Like, I want to know. <laughs> yeah, I stick to my guns. Up? Where'd if, you end up? Where did he end up? Yeah. Was he some crazy mystic? Was this like Rasputin or something? <laughs> oh, it happened like, in Europe. Actually, no. It was like in France. So that was like pretty far off. We're not talking Rasputin. We're not talking Rasputin per se. No. <laughs> it's got some Rasputin vibes. Tendencies, yeah. Vibes to it. Yeah. Man. I don't know. That was a fun strange. one, though. Definitely I love strange. It. Mm-hmm. I do think that the third story, Adam. Uh, presented though was probably the freakiest just because it was a little bit more it was the most vague and just sort of like mm-hmm. definitely some shadow people type vibes entities that are clearly shifting through the veil mm-hmm. um, the sulfuric smell mm-hmm. uh, with the flickering visitors that was that's that's some spooky really stuff. strange um very scary in my opinion probably we, the scariest we were just um we were recording for patreon and um, talking about shapeshifters and sort mm-hmm. of like the ability these things where you can only see them out of the your peripherals and if you look straight on you can never see it in its true form yeah and that's it sort of just reminded me of this mm-hmm. you know what i mean it's like these things hmm. that may or may not be like completely visible to whoever in a certain perspective but we can only see them out of the, the flickers. You know what I mean, it's like that X Files yeah. episode with the bug boss. Yeah, we brought it up on the Patreon yeah. episode. Totally, X Files fans out there, you it's know, like the hiding one, in plain sight. Hiding kinda. in plain sight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, I think that was the name of the episode. Maybe was it? I don't know. It sounds very familiar. But I think that was like a note was kind of the guy awesome. left. He, he was and yeah. Mulder found yeah. that or something. Yeah, I think you're right. But that it is interesting because it essentially like haunted this guy for a year, as is described. And oh, what was he? I can't remember where he was described to have been, like, working or something. And then he had to, like, leave eventually because he was, like, that disturbed. Yeah. And it was weird because it seemed to be, like, just him for a while. And then we get the added element of his wife. And 
her obviously being affected by it too and so much so that she ends up accidentally <laughs> shooting herself in bed so i hate to laugh because if oh, well, the story is true that is pretty ter- unfortunate ter- for sure and again kind of speaks to like maybe a little bit of a nefarious nature of these visitors quote unquote right because that's like well and this pretty... is again this is an example of one of these stories where it's presented amongst you know like the next one you flip to it's like okay this is crazy can't be true but then we, mm-hmm. in our research into the paranormal, have encountered so many heartfelt, real descriptions of, like, being stalked by shadow people, having something following you, or having something tormenting you in your house, there being something attached to the house. Whether you believe in poltergeists or ghosts or whatever these things may be, mm-hmm. there's people that have had horrible things happen to them. They can't explain it. They're trying to interpret it in certain ways. And I wonder if that's what's happened in this, you know, story from the 1800s. Maybe. Mm, it's quite and possible. what would it get chalked up to, right? Either you're know. crazy, you're possessed by the devil. Mm-hmm. I think those are kind of mostly the two options. Those are those are the main two <laughs> you're options. Get, really. Yeah, you're going to get locked up or you're going to get exercise or right? something. Like, yeah. Not a lot of good options. Not a lot of great options. No. Not a lot of I great options. I felt very options. unfortunate for the main character of that, uh, that story, whatever his name was. I can't remember off the top of my head. But... We'll have to come back to it. Yeah. There was then, of course, the... the uh, story that you presented with oh, okay. the yeah, twins. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> the, the head's all mixed up on these twin calves, which was pretty crazy. Like, what, what do you make of all that? Well, I mean, it's so... It had this, like, t- like telepathic, <laughs> telekinetic kind of mm. vibe to it, where it's like, how is this thing, like, absorbing cool. nutrients? It's so monstrous, like, via, too, right? via this, like, invisible something, Ugh. right? Like it's, it's so gruesome and just, like, grisly thinking. Like, you know, just the, the imagery they present with it being, like, oh, yeah. literally, like, the, the, the extra head is, like, suckling on the mom and then just depositing the milk into the body of the other <laughs> one. It's like... How the heck? Um, and we did mention, like, you know, a few examples of there are there are true cases of, like, you know, calves being born with two heads, and they really don't live very long usually. But there was one in India, and that was, like, I don't know how long it lived. Two actually. heads is one thing. But no to have, head. <laughs> Yeah, but to have no head. So I was like, headless animals, can they live? And the first thing you think of is a chicken, obviously. Yeah, the classic. <laughs> chicken with head cut off shirt. Yeah, yeah, where they're running around for a few minutes. But have you ever heard of a chicken that has lived for 18 months without its head? <laughs> I hadn't until... <laughs> The other day. Crazy. (laughs) And this chicken, it's called Miracle Mike, and he lived for 18 months without his head. And this was in the 1940s in Colorado, and a farmer just, you know, doing their usual business, him and his wife, they were beheading chickens, and it was like, you know, they had dozens of chickens on the (laughs) slaughter that day. And this one chicken just didn't seem to stop kicking. He was just like, just at it, just for the whole day. At the end of the day, they were like, hey, this chicken's still running around. <laughs> what is going on here? So they put him in a little crate uh, for the night underneath their porch or whatever, thinking, whatever, he'll probably be dead in the morning. Like, they just didn't intervene further. But it was still alive the next morning. So, of course, like, this is like a small town, like in Colorado pretty poor family so they decided to take this chicken into town and this one guy i think it was the uncle or something he was boasting about this chicken trying to make bets with people like oh yeah i, I bet you like you know however many much that like, i don't have this chicken that's living with its head <laughs> so anyways it caught wind and then eventually there was like a sideshow that sort of like picked up the of story course. And then they ended up going along for the ride. And they, a miracle Mike was a whole big phenomenon. He went to, like, Chicago, I think. There's, like, 
Anyways, quite a number of shows that he was a part of until he unfortunately All died. All right. Headless but Mike. It's really cool. We should post this picture on our Instagram because I love it. It's like him still living uh, on like a little show display thing. And he's got his little mummified head. So like dried out, like right beside him. And it's yeah. like, oh my God. Could you imagine? It goes back to the whole discussion we had with Adam where it's like, these sideshows, these like freaks of nature and these like uh, like amazing phenomena, like we're missing out these days. I feel like, hey, like <laughs> where the hell are these things? Like, I want to go to a show. That's I know, right? That. I wish I could be uh, more like a Ripley's Believe It or Not. Yeah, thing, you know? I would be even that. Right? It's like it's like TV's don't... ruined everything. Or it something. has, like, yeah, desensitized. It'd be great to go see some yes. some of these old oddities, the Iceman, the Minnesota Iceman type yeah. of vibe, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, that is interesting, though. So, like, you know, evidence of being able to live without a head. Mm-hmm. And very yeah, strange. That was one fun example. Right? So We've seen sort of sci-fi interpretations of this with humans in, in like, the reanimator or movies yes. like that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Even in the X-Files movie, they we, were we, yep. uh, playing around with that with stem cell research. heads with yeah. stems. Yep. What the hell? Interesting stuff. Well, I just don't understand, too. Like, I never got... The explanation for how he ate like no, this right? miracle mic. Like, exactly. How? So again, you maybe this is possible. Or you just, you maybe there's a up? seed of truth to this story. I don't know. There you go. I'm, I'm not going to knock it any further. Okay. But, yeah. Well, moving on here, we had then, of course, the feminine phenomena, which mm-hmm. was a, a the very The second strange... sight. Yeah, that was really interesting. Miss Windsor of Providence, Rhode Island. Yeah. Yeah, that was... What did you make of that one? Any, any well, thoughts or... Well, I mean, it definitely has made me think of, like, just a poltergeist activity type things, or just, I don't even know, like, some sort of... Hmm. I don't know, it got me thinking about the Amherst mystery that we're going to be talking about a little bit. I have oh, honestly, really? Okay. I don't really know what to make. I don't know what to make of it. Yeah. These inherited abilities, like, coming from thin air, seemingly. Like, you know, knowing yeah. Latin... Knowing, like, you know, it seems like... Is it possession? Like, is it something? Is it... I don't know. It didn't really seem that no, way. No, it didn't. The doctor definitely seemed to be, like, a conduit if he... If this is legit. Like, maybe he was in on it. I don't know. <laughs> maybe it's just one big show. Because, like, she confined for your, to your bed for several months. Condition unexplained. Like, what is really going on here? Yeah, and then you have all these crazy abilities and... Was it, a, was it an injury? Like, you know, Adam was kind of postulating on that, too. And... That could explain it. And I did look into that, the idea of, like, psychic abilities as a result of illness or injury. A lot of people um, will claim that, right? There's a lot of different stories out there. Yeah, bump on the head and you can, Mm -hmm. yeah. I came across this one study by uh, Fenwick et al. And this was just on, like, psychic sensitivity, mystical experience, head injury, and brain pathologies. Mm. And they basically did a comparative study of, like, 17 selected individuals from this college of psychic... uh, Oh my gosh, I don't know. It's like College of Psychics. It was kind of weird, actually. College and of Psychics. Yeah, yeah. I can remember there was like a little bit more to that. It was kind of a long title. <laughs> I didn't write the whole thing down. <laughs> but they basically compared these subjects to a control group that was basically described as 17 churchgoers. I don't really know how they define okay. all this stuff, how they, all you right. know, make these qualifications. But they basically found that there was there was evidence to suggest that, yeah, definitely you could associate psychic experiences with brain dysfunction, and these were increased as a result of head injury. However, there was no clear correlations ever really discovered. It was just, um, 
there were some trends. So basically the one that I thought was interesting was the idea that if there was injury or damage to the non-dominant hemisphere of the brain, mm. usually that was associated with an increase in quote-unquote psychic uh, abilities or whatever, sensitivities. And that is kind of interesting if you think about it. Oh, so yeah. it's almost like if you, if this is the non-dominant, maybe that disruption will actually cognitively kind of wake up something in your non-dominant that you would have been using. And right. somehow that synergy between your dominant and non-dominant now injured or whatever changed, let's mm -hmm. say altered yeah. um, hemispheres are somehow working in a different way than others. So I don't know. What, that was, what was the reason that she was originally confined to her bed again? We never We really didn't get that. Get right? that so that's why you were speculating on whether or not it was maybe a head injury. Or, yeah, okay. Yeah. Ah, man. Or illness. Because if there's an illness affecting your brain, like, doesn't like meningitis affect your brain? I'm sure yes, there's it does. a lot of things. Yeah, a bunch of things do. Yeah. So anyway, so man, that's yeah, that is a weird one. I shouldn't. I I I I spoke a little too soon there. I shouldn't have said like poltergeist isn't the right word, but like something. I don't know. I got it's it's got that almost reincarnation y vibe too. Like where someone all of a sudden is like, there's the person hmm. that knew all these things is now a part of you for whatever reason. It's like, or maybe I, she's just like more in tune and like tapping into yeah. kind of like a, a poltergeist type energy. Yeah, maybe, there's some sort of change in her energy. Maybe, maybe she's now a conduit. Yeah, and mm. this information exists like yeah. beyond beyond the veil or whatever you want to call it. And she's mm. yeah, she's then able to interpret that information. Use yeah, like, maybe. Re relay that information Access she's it, like yeah. a radio she's like a you know what i mean <laughs> yeah actually she's the antenna <laughs> yeah there's a whole bunch of stuff coming through now <laughs> well and we yeah i mean we are conduits we're, we're just water and like we we're, we make great conduits human mm -hmm. bodies we do for all kinds of things <laughs> hmm. yeah okay I don't really know what else to say on that one. Well, that's kind of, yeah, sight. that was all I had to kind of, I didn't go much further than that. Fair enough. We had some fun ones from you, though, too. Yeah, the, the boneless man was awesome, was mm -hmm. so much fun to read through. When I looked into it uh, after the fact, I was just struggled to find any other uh, examples <laughs> of a boneless man. I am or not surprised. <laughs> say, I thought maybe I would find a story where it was like, you know, cursed to have no bones or something along mm. those lines. And really, most of what, I was able to come up with was, you know, bones being used in curses hmm. or alchemy or other things of that nature. Perhaps there's a curse out there to remove someone's bones. I'm sure there is somewhere hiding in, in, a, in a black magic book somewhere. Uh, <laughs> but as far as there being like an outright, you know, guy named Norm down the road ties leg into a knot because he doesn't have any bones, I, I couldn't find anything else for that. Yeah, I can think of one fictional example, and that is in, I think it's the third is it this? no it's the second harry potter when harry breaks his bones at the quiz yes, game and then yes <laughs> they accidentally yeah mr <laughs> professor lockhart Remember? Yeah, it's yeah. just useless. He's just hopeless. Yeah, but that's I not. Know, that's what I'm picturing know, with this boneless man. He's that's totally flopping it. around like a, yeah yeah well flopping around like a fish. Yeah, and I I definitely stuck with <laughs> a biological theme here. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, you you. Uh, you know, it's because Ugh, obviously the raining, the raining flesh was a pretty fascinating one. Ugh. And we already talked about with Adam the idea of, you know, this isn't this was an actual phenomena like raining blood, mm -hmm. especially. Yeah. But it was believed to be in most cases like a mixture of sand, different dust particles containing different red elements to it, right? Which makes sense. Yeah. But then of course there's this literal flesh. Sometimes it 
in certain stories, Ugh. it's like wet and moist and stinks to high heaven. Ugh. And in the story that I relayed, uh, it was like dried. And then someone tried it and said it tasted like beef. <laughs> I wonder if it's just been sitting out for a few days after and then that. Dry, I mean, yeah, I guess. And someone would just has Yikes. really like low standards for like what beef jerky should be and Ugh. said it tasted good. But I mean, this has existed throughout history uh, in, you know, even in Homer's Iliad, there's references to raining blood. And in other different historic references, there is the flesh falling from the heavens. Hmm. And so we do know that there's some circumstances that can cause this sort of blood-colored rain. Mm -hmm. But the question I have in this story that I relayed is like, could there be some of these examples where it is indeed a biological substance? Mm, yeah. And if so, where did it come from? And obviously these stories happened in times where we couldn't test it. Mm-hmm. Like these samples weren't taken. We couldn't take it to a lab and, no. and test it and be like, oh my God, this is like an otherworldly goop Ugh. that's now fallen on to these plants or whatever. Ugh. Because there's one story that I didn't end up reading because it was uh, like Adam mentioned, some of these historic references just packed full of like really racist terms and uh-huh. just didn't want to read through that one. But it was where, you know, like it was, the substance was falling on, uh, on crops and it was like a goopy, slimy, as if it was like a zombie had gone through a blender hmm. in the sky mm-hmm. and then left lying all over the ground. Yeah. And I already, you know, had, we had some speculation with Adam on whether or not maybe this is like time travel gone drastically wrong mm-hmm. <laughs> or something along those lines, right? Yeah. Yeah. In or mo- something more biological even. Like he mentioned the... Uh... Is it condors or some type of bird? He yeah, that would that be creepy. Like obviously, just vomit yeah. up all their... right. Obviously, mine's very paranormal. Yours is, yeah. But is it not also paranormal to you know the guy says it tasted like beef? Is there like a super localized Ugh. hurricane or cyclone or whatever picks up a whole cat herd of cattle? Yeah, they go up so high that they are like ripped apart and dried out from the air, and then. Shredded and they disperse. The beef falls to the ground. Like how big of a rainfall is this? Is it like one field? Is it like one house? Is it like really? It's different. It can be acres upon acres. It can be super localized. And I would imagine the stuff that's really localized. Like in this story, that's an omen. You know, in this story, this story, I can't remember the exact acreage. It didn't. It wasn't just like in some guy's backyard. It wasn't. It was like over a. Yeah. A reasonable And the other one you mentioned that we didn't actually read in the episode, that sounded like more so coming covering fields. Across like multiple sugarcane fields. Which could be actually more so like the goopiness that you kind of mentioned there. It reminds me of that the algae uh, explanation where it's just like algae that kind of like grew in the air and that's why it's all goopy. It's like a petri dish type thing. It's like nasty nasty yeah. little microorganisms that are all gooped together. I wonder what that smells like. Probably this smells like it was, nasty stuff. I mean, yeah. Algae in the air, though? Yeah. I would imagine would so. Would it smell? I mean, the description in that one was that it was like, <laughs> it, it smells smell like... peaches like, and roses. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> would, sure. would it smell like rotting flesh? Though? Probably. I mean, maybe, depending maybe. on how hot it is. I mean, it also just doesn't explain the beef jerky. No. Okay. <laughs> was there barbecue sauce on it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I think yeah. that is a better time than any. <laughs> to wrap things up well this Uh, was really fun this was really fun i loved it yeah i loved it too like amber already said we have countless episodes in the works uh, Mm. that have been inspired by stories in this book so themes that are are you guys are really going to enjoy them Uh, yeah and we encourage you guys all if you're really keen on this kind of stuff like 
you know, Adam's a great guy and he's a great writer and to support him is amazing. Oh, and, you, know, you guys got to pick up this book. Really enjoy this the book. The whole series is great. Yeah. Uh, if you only wanted to grab one, I would say this is my favorite. It's a great gift All book, All three too. are epic. Yeah, great gift book. I've mm-hmm. already given it as a gift, which has been great. And I'd say it's appropriate for, like, children. Oh, like, yeah. Like, not young, young children, but definitely children that are into funny, weird stuff. And, Absolutely. Like, you know, like, so, yeah, hit up, like, pinebarrensinstitute.com. He's got the links yeah. for everything there. Mm-hmm. It's on Amazon, too. If you wanted to just search it on Amazon, just type Oddities and Print. It'll come up right away. It's not hard to find. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, make sure you guys uh, pick that up 100%. Hmm. Yeah. And, uh... Honestly, like, yeah, like, I can't really think of any other final thoughts on... Uh, all these stories were so strange. Oh, yeah. It's like I could sit here and talk about it all day, so yeah, I just right. need to move on. Otherwise, Andrew's going to just go down the rab- endless rabbit hole. <laughs> but uh, we've got a few new things to mention here. We do have a, uh, some new merch, and we're revamping our Into the Portal store. Yeah. So we've got uh, the Jump Squatch, which is awesome. Jump it's uh, my, you know, combines my love of basketball and also, like, the goat of hide-and-seek, mm-hmm. which is... Sasquatch or Bigfoot. Exactly. Uh, really cool design done by our buddy uh, Nick. And social distancing. And social distancing <laughs> champ. That's right. Sasquatch. Uh, but yeah, Nick at I Really Love Pixels on Instagram uh, mm-hmm. did that design for us. It's really awesome. So that is up there. Uh, hoodies, crewnecks, t shirts. All goes towards supporting the show. And uh, we've got some new designs in the works coming too. So we're kind of revamping that right on our website at intotheportal.com. So go check that out and pick up your Jump Squatch shirt. Mm -hmm. We also have Dark Artifacts that we are associated with that is also still coming. We've mentioned it before. So come follow us on Instagram at Dark Artifacts. And uh, we'll keep you posted on some other social media stuff there. Strange Pods is the network Instagram account. Follow us at... Follow the network on uh, Instagram, Strange mm-hmm. Podcasts on Twitter. 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 <laughs> <laughs> had a little, uh, yeah, had a little brain fart there. Yeah, yeah. And then StraightUpStrange.com, home base for all, yeah. all high strangeness. That is the network and us on Into the Portal. Mm-hmm. So yeah, thank you guys so much. Massive, massive shout out to all of our producers uh, on Patreon. Mm-hmm. So we have Adam Kellums. Adam. We've got Nightwing. We got Kitsune, Kitsune and Jackson Greenberg. Greenberg. Thank you guys so much, and thank you to yeah, all of our all. Patreon supporters. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, especially especially you guys. Shout out to you guys. So yeah, thank you so much. If you haven't checked us out on Patreon, it's uh, patreon.com slash into the portal. Mm-hmm. And like we said, we've got a new episode that's probably up already by the time you're listening to this. So mm-hmm. click that link below and go check it out. Track. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. Um, hit us up if you have any uh, comments uh, about this episode or any of the stories we've covered today. And uh, can't wait to talk about some more high strangeness from Audrey's mm-hmm. So, until next time, and into the portal. We are a gateway to the bazaar. Discover more shows like this one at straightupstrange.com.